And now, and now everyone watching the podcast is just like, oh man, now I'm scared by this room. My heart rate's increasing. Yeah, this is kind this of- This is just as uh, gone Mr. Grey kind of- Isn't it great to be sitting on our newly designed table? Yes, for those who studio. are watching us from now on, we've actually got a fully designed Hello. engineering dad's table, which we now have as part of our studio. Um, nice little emplacement, good color scheme. Um, yeah, it's, so, it's yeah, good to be home. Patty's on a journey of self-discovery, still mm. very much involved, but just in different parts of the world. So we thought with the limited space we've got, yeah. let's actually do something with it and I'm a lot more comfortable got the mic here got the notes here got the cameras going oh, just having a, like a, a usable background and setup that we don't need to worry about cables and plugs and all these other problems that we had last time it makes our life a million times easier and I'm loving it but things are getting quite heated and you know that's just in the more reality way, of it in more one more ways than just one jeez <laughs> so the Bureau of Meteorology officially announced that we are now in an El Nino event terrifying um, and I guess like for, for those of you who've probably seen it on the news and thinking you know La Nina El Nino you're probably thinking like La Nina is rainfall and mm. then uh, therefore El Nino is drought right yeah. like that is it's what two comes ends to of mind a spectrum right yeah and in some respects that's right so I'll just quickly touch on what El Nino is just to, to cover it for the audience yeah. in the background and the reason we're kind of touching on it before we we kind of explain our reasoning is just because El Nino is uh, something of a, a dark horse horseman it, it can be quite scary and the yep. effects of it is terrifying but before we get into it let's go through that explanation so it's it's known as a climate phenomenon warming of the sea surface temperatures in the tropical region of the Pacific Ocean part of the ENSO which is the El Nino Southern Oscillation what it's caused by is now normally trade winds we're blowing f- uh, like from the east to the west and what that's doing is bringing that sort of warm water over mm. but now in an El Nino event that sort of happens tends to reverse or, or weaken so hot water will flow back towards the east pacific so as the warm water goes eastward it alters the weather patterns by affecting atmospheric circulation now in australia this actually like affects the, the monsoon so like yeah. Areas up north where like storms and all yeah flooding and whatnot happens, and then actually disrupts usual usual patterns. Because in the Australian monsoon, as I believe, it's actually normal to get high rainfall events. We see areas of North Queensland get very wet. Yeah, I mean, we talk about uh, examples of this was the La Nina event a few years back, where the price of bananas went to like five times the, the, <laughs> the month before. Yeah, it's like get a loan out for lettuce. The McDonald's I, yeah. sign in Lisbon was like half a submerged. It was it yeah, was they terrifying. swapped all lettuce over to cabbage for local produced burgers. Like that was a big thing. Like that was terrifying for a little bit um and yeah so those are those kind of monsoon drought conditions oh no the um the the flooding the flooding conditions yeah la nina associated with that's it so like what happens is because the warm water is changing and there's like different distributions and all that sort of stuff um the pacific ocean shifts weather patterns so you get what's called like high pressure systems over eastern australia what happens is this sort of like blocks the moist air from from the ocean moving inland which causes like that less rainfall mm. higher like prone bushfires and warmer events and affecting water supply and therefore drop in fish populations and agriculture yeah. and all that sort of stuff so it has all these knock-on effects so like that is the most i guess not basic but most overall explanation of what it is and what it can cause yeah and what we're in for this yeah. summer and potentially the next year. I don't think we would ever claim to be meteorologists at all. Absolutely in this, not. In this we're conversation. not no. on this. We're just reporting what meteorologists have said. And so the crux of this is El Nino is bringing higher heat, dry conditions, 
which usually lead to uh, extreme weather conditions above the, the normal yeah. average, um, drought and fire. So that's effectively yeah. what we're experiencing. And the, I guess the concern for me was last year was La Nina and that was floods. And yeah. we saw that. We saw a one in 100 year flood in 2021 uh, and a one in 1000 year flood in 2022. And then 2023, which is again, we haven't seen it yet, but possibly bushfires, drought, another bushfire season, yes. yeah, and like it's it's quite imminent. And I guess where we're from, we've we've seen a lot of like hazard reduction burning taking place. So like trying to burn as much vegetation to ensure that we're not gonna you know get bushfires destroying yep. our homes, which is you know a bit funny because like it, it only happened for a week. And I think I was talking to you about this yeah. offline. <laughs> I was just like, surely they can't burn that much vegetation to save like what is it? How long were the bushfires in twenty nine? It was like four months. Yeah, like uh, there was just just never never stopped. Right, there was so much fuel on the ground. Um, and yeah, I think they said they the the bushfire the hazard reduction uh, period is a few months at a time before summer. Um, and try and they sometimes get some in winter if it's dry enough. Yeah. Um, and it lasted a week, <laughs> and then all of a sudden in September we had a four day above <laughs> thirty heat degree wave. heat wave, and there were like trigger warnings everywhere. You know, the last time we've had a heat wave in September, like all three days, nineteen sixties wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. Right. And so not only did we get three days, we had four, which has never been seen before on recorded temperatures in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in September, like never. I just, I found it crazy. It was like a bit of a taster, right? Like you wake up and you're just like, fuck, it feels like the middle of summer, but it was just almost like mother nature's like, <laughs> I'm just giving you guys a this bit of a This is the entree. Of, this is the cheese yeah. platter before the, the main thing. Like, so it has been confirmed. We yeah. are in for a very hot summer. So I think as Sean alluded to, we're not experts. We're just, you know, people who can take in this information and relay it in a way that we can say, what does it mean? for yeah. Joe Blow down the road and what yeah. can you do about it? So, I mean, one of the scary things for me, and I think you touched on it, is, you know, we had El Nino and La Nina. These things are meant to last between nine to 12 months. That's why I said, you know, we're going to see it for the next year. What the scary part of it is, is it's supposed to stop and then between two to seven years, you have this lag where yeah. you go back to the normal Enso cycle and then you have a shift to La Nina, which yeah. has been happening since, you know, Long, long before our time since mm. the dawn of time we have seen an El Nino in 2019-20 followed by a triple La Nina event and now we're just magically back into El Nino and in some respects I should not say magically because the reason that you know we are in for a bad bushfire season is because of that triple La Nina event it's terrifying and yeah the reason that that is is because all the extra rainfall that came in pretty much what that's going to do is more water, more nutrients. You're going to have this blossom, this bloom in prolific vegetation, right? And from that, you're giving, I guess, a fuel source, more more fuel to, like more sources to burn, more mm. trees to burn, more plants to burn. So you meet all just saying we are pretty cooked for a bushfire oh. season because of that reason. And what caused the rare triple in your event is, you know, or what's been happening over the last 20 years is this changing yeah. climate that we're seeing. So, And I was looking at it before and I can't find the exact years of it, but like some of the most significant bush uh, droughts in Australian history have always occurred during one of these rare El Nino events, these one in like eight year events. Yep. The fact that we're having one and it's it's not only that, right? There's two other impacts that are terrifying. One is ocean temperature in the world yep. is about a, a degree above where it should be. On the average mean since the industrial level, we have had a average water temperature around this time about 20, 20.5 degrees. We're 21. 
Yeah. Like 21 and a half kind of thing. So like well beyond. There's never been an ocean temperature that hot right. before. And it was predicted ever. we'd be at 21 a lot further in like in future than we yeah. are now, right? So we, we're seeing it sort of. Yeah. Well, we're, we're a 0.4 degree higher than it was last year, which doesn't sound like much. 0.4 degree on average doesn't sound like an incredible amount. You're just talking about like a frig event yep. that's pushing that. Like a one frig event will push up that average. And the other one that they've kind of mentioned, which is also terrifying, is a positive Indian Ocean dipole event. Yeah, and so generally speaking, like I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure on this, but the idea behind it is El Nino and La Nina would sometimes work in opposite directions to the positive dipoles and negative dipoles. That's how and, I understand it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and so the fact that we're having an El Nino event with a positive dipole means we're having the the El Nino event usually affects just the eastern side of Australia. Yeah. So that's where all the drought. Uh, effects because of the wind uh, pattern that you were talking about goes from the east coast of Australia to South America. Yeah, basically in that, that Pacific direction. Ocean yeah. region, yeah. Yeah, but the Indian Ocean is on the other side of Australia, on the western side of Australia. Yeah. So having that positive brings more heat there too. So the effects of El Nino are now spread across into all of Australia, not just the east coast. So whereas we went, <laughs> oh, it's okay, just Sydney and Melbourne are going to cop in Brisbane. No, just all, all of Australia. Australia. All of Australia is copying this now because both of these things are happening at the same time, which... It's weird. It's like, I don't know how to explain um, both events happening simultaneously, but the fact that they've both been declared, which they, they thought they were going to be declared anyways from the, the average statistics, um, that is terrifying. Mm. I think like, and, and when the 2019-2020 bushfires happened, everyone was like, our country is, is burning when it was like only one half. But now that same might actually come into fruition. Like the whole of Australia where there's adequate vegetation and fuel sources could just burn during mm. the summer like we've we've recently seen the effects of 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 these weather events in greece right where you know in the u.s and those parts of the world i don't know so much so much europe it's mainly in the u.s where we're in when we're in alanina they're having the more of the drought conditions mm. but we've seen the effects sort of extend to greece right where we had bushfires in roads and whatnot i'm not sure that's really related to el nino la nina but no we're no. seeing the frequency of these yeah. things increase more and I should touch on because you brought up the Indian, the yeah, positive Indian uh, dipole was an IOD or something is the acronym for it um, mm. they recommend. So it's scary that in the 2019 bushfires, that wasn't El Nino. Like that was what you mentioned before. It's like that positive IOD. Now, what like the bit of a science behind that is what the modeling suggests. And there is a paper that was released uh, in May of 2023 by the National Science Foundation. Um, so we'll put a link into that so you can read it um, from scientists from the Center of Atmospheric Research. But what they were saying is um, the modeling suggests that smoke aerosols from the bushfires interacted with clouds to cool surface waters over the southeast and tropical Pacific Ocean. So that's sort of what's caused that subsequent triple La Nina. Now, you can hear me say that and be like, oh, this is just one of those other conspiracies. You know, it's just as valid as what do they call it when you inject cl- cloud seeding or whatever. Yeah. It sounds like <laughs> that, but there is literally a scientific paper. Yeah. So like, you know, one of the things I want to do is make sure there's a source here for someone to go and look at. So that link is there. Like it's yeah. legitimate research. We'll be tagged into it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite scary too. I've actually found the year. So it was 1982, 1994, 2002, 2006, 2015, all severe droughts, all El Ninos. Yeah. Yeah. And not all of them had that positive dipole. Uh, I don't actually have the exact number of them, but yeah, it's, it's kind of scary. So let's move on, I guess, from the, the whole, oh, this is terrifying and going to be yeah. uh, a bit of a nightmare to deal with. What does that mean? Yeah. So I think the main takeaways we've got here is like, so for bomb to declare an El Nino, you need the sea surface temperatures if to be like 
0.8 degrees above average. We've already established that. Number two, um, El Ninos and Leninos have been happening more frequently and severe since the 1960s. So that's yep. the two facts we'll sort of bring into this part of yep. what does this mean? So I think to start, we can't change it. There is nothing we can do. Yep. It's, it's coming. This is all about management instead of prevention at this point. Yeah. And I think like one of the topics we, we like one of the conversations we have a lot offline is like the whole idea of you know, climate change is one example is it's coming. There are certain aspects that there's no point trying to stop because it's too late. Yep. So how do we deal with it? And I think this is one of those things coming back into like this topic um how do we as people manage it for ourselves like what are what are some of the impacts and what are some ways to reduce it so well generally speaking like the the main one that's going to be happening is drought and bushfire those are the biggest concerning ones so at one end of the spectrum of just extreme heat let's just talk there i mean that is that's the the lesser end of uh (laughs) just extreme heat we're gonna see a lot of days above 30 i think i saw the stats and i need to double check this but um, we're expecting 16 days above 40 degrees yeah. this this summer, which if you think about it, oh, 16 days doesn't sound much spread out, but imagine this is like a week-long thing, a week of extreme above 40-degree temperatures. You're not getting to bed. You can't you go to, sleep properly. You'll you yeah. go to like cooling down will be 28 degrees. Yeah. yeah, air conditioning systems will be running full. Electricity systems will be strained. Um, the contingency services will be starting to like kick in. And so they'll be shutting down certain services to make sure the uh, hospitals and mm. like electricity electricity grid can stay online. Actually, this is one of the questions I had because it's more so for your field. Obviously, like when you have floods, you have more risk of the grid going down because of these mm-hmm. natural disasters. Like, is it equally possible to have the grid go down because of a lot of a lot of heat and a lot of energy use? Or oh, for sure, yeah. So, generally speaking, Australians' grid, the energy usage peaks in January or December yep. because of air conditioning use, because it runs during the middle of the day and then into the afternoon. It's running in both businesses and homes, and these things, some of the old ones, are really energy intensive. So, you're looking at these spikes. Most of the the grid is built around the spike in summer. Yeah, um, and if you then layer on top of that, right, suddenly a bushfire takes down the largest transmission line between New South Wales and Victoria or Queensland and New South Wales, you're finding like gigawatts of energy needed that will not get there. That you can't use. Yeah. And I'm all meant from the, the point of view that like, can you use so much energy? So can everyone literally blast their aircon to the point where the electricity grid cannot cope? Yeah. And like yeah. it in a way loses that pre- not pressure, but... Yeah, you yeah. have a massive voltage drop or whatever across in the In those grid. situations, AMO, the man, like the energy market operator, they don't like doing it, but they will black out a region if they have to. If they're like, we Crap. either keep hospitals online or turn off a suburb, I'm sorry, suburbs got to go. And so they're only when they're pushed against the wall, they'll do that. They have this reliability standard, so they really don't want to do it. They'll like burn as much fuel. They'll pull on like diesel generators beforehand, but yeah. push comes to shove, they'll shut down suburbs. They yeah. won't need to currently, but if it gets that bad where we're running air conditioning so hard, no one cares, we're not like um, managing the electricity demand well enough, they will do it automatically, Yeah, which is terrifying. So I guess, like, terrifying. I guess one of the long-term implications of that is we need better ways to store energy, but I think we're here to talk about more of the short-term mm. ways of, of, of dealing with this. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is something that I've been doing recently and I highly recommend it is trying to prepare for the summer ahead. Now yeah. I live in a red brick apartment complex, which is great. Strata is nice and low, no elevator. Perfect. However, this thing is a thermal reservoir. It gets heating or cooling and it stays that way. Yeah. And so trying to stay cool in summer or stay warm in winter is a bit of a hassle. And one of the things that Australians should have done 
and we kind of failed on, and there's a lot of political reasons why, is just insulation. We suck at insulation. Yep. We, we still don't have insulation as a requirement in homes. Across Europe, it's a requirement. So it's not in like our building code to have insulation. Yeah, up until just... like the 90s and like 2000s, it was barely considered required. Yeah. Old houses really suffer because they're not designed for... They're good for summer when they need to bleed heat, but in, in winter they get really cold. Yeah. Insulation deals in both situations. Yeah, it's, it's just better it's at retaining, retaining whatever temperature yeah. it is that you need. Yeah. yeah. So in the absence of having good insulation in your home, trying to get insulation there is the next critical thing. So one is like just install really good blinds. Yep. Trying to block out as much sun. You've got to think of heating and cooling in terms of energy. No longer about this is a hot wind or cold wind. Um, a great example of explaining how hot and cold kind of differs, like yep. get a, a piece of metal and a piece of wood. And you put them into the fridge. And now this is for people listening at home as well. Put them both in the fridge and leave them there for 24 hours. Now, I won't get you to answer this, but I'll get the, the, the audience listening in. Let's take out the piece of metal and piece of wood now. You put a hand on each one. Now, which one is colder? Don't answer, James. <laughs> now, think of the, of the people listening. Which one is colder? The metal or the wood? It's been in the fridge for 24 hours. And if you said the metal is colder, you're incorrect. They are the same temperature. Both been in the fridge for the same time. It's just basic heat transfer. But they feel, yeah. the metal would feel colder because it can draw heat out of your hand. Yeah. Effectively, heating is just, you're heating the, the metal because you're putting heat into it. Yeah. And it's pulling energy away from your hand. The wood is doing the exact same thing. It's just doing it slower. I, yeah, because it's funny when you said that, I was going to say, well, technically the metal is colder, but mm, it's the, it the, degrees, colder. the degrees isn't colder. Like it's still at yeah. five degrees or whatever yeah. your fridge is the set to. The internal yeah. temperature of the metal and the wood inside the fridge would have been the exact same. Given 24 hours to yeah. reach the same level, but metal will draw heat out quicker. Yeah. So effectively, what we're trying to do is create an environment where that exchange of heat, where your hand and, and metal is exchanging heat, you're trying to reduce that. And yep. so the most common one, and this is when you're building homes, is double glazed windows. By just mm. having a window, you're effectively putting a material that really doesn't trade heat or trade energy at all. And so if it's hot outside, it's not getting through. If it's cold outside, it's not getting through. Whatever the temperature is inside will stay that way. Yeah. And so that's an easy one to do if you're building a home. The problem is for most people, the home's already built. That's the thing. So like, I think we want to talk about how do you retrofit these things? I think double glazing windows sometimes can be hard to retrofit if you have almost impossible yeah. especially with strata they just get in the way of things for no reason besides just causing a fuzz so like one of the things you can do is just put like basic window film there are specific types you can just stick to your windows and yeah it does doesn't do just as good of a job but you know it's on that same level so that in conjunction with block yeah. out blinds you know you can get the effect you're looking for realistically yeah. during a hot day if you want to keep a place cool every little bit of light that you can block from coming in is light that isn't coming isn't going to warm up your house now we kind of talk about efficiency before. I'll bring it up later because there's another device I'll talk about efficiency. But um, we talk about, let's say, a, a car. How efficient is a car, James? Oh, like a normalized car, probably like 60% efficient, even lower than that. Some cars are down to the 30% mark. Uh, average cars between the fuel in the tank and the wheels like rolling is between 25 and 45% efficient. So really poor, right? right? Diesel cars, like diesel trucks can get 45, A little 50s. bit better, yeah. Yeah. Electric vehicles, what efficiency are they at? James? 90%. <laughs> yep, spot on, 90 to 95%. Um, uh, do you know how efficient a light is? Uh, it's like an incandescent, like an LED light. So much it doesn't more matter. Any whatever light it is, do you know what it is? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess ninety percent though. It's a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Because yeah. if you measure the heat emitted from a bulb, 
if you put five watts into a light bulb, it makes five watts of heat. It's going to come out as heat, yeah. And it comes up as light, and that light will bounce across the room and then heat up another part of the room. But overall, you're heating up the amount of input energy out. Yeah. So another thing to do is change your light bulbs to lower usage. Because effectively, if you look at your light bulb right now and think it's a 60-watt light bulb, it's not. It's a 60-watt heater. Well, I think just making sure like all your lights are LEDs, right? Because you can have a five-watt LED and it's going to give you the same number Correct. of lumens as a 60-watt as a yeah. incandescent or fluorescent yeah. light. Yeah. And so some people will go, oh, but LEDs don't look pretty. They're kind of blocky, rah, rah, rah. Yeah, okay, sure. But you're, you're adding an extra 50 watts of heat into your room. Yeah. If you're already 45 degrees and you're adding extra 50 watts, it feels hot. So just changing to light bulbs to cooler lighting is a huge and easy change. And not only that... Less energy use means it saves on your energy bill. Like it, yeah. just, it just logi- logistically, just no, logically, the best thing to do. Switch to LEDs and switch to low energy light bulbs immediately. And that's yeah. like, you can get effectively, if you change all your light bulbs and if you had a big house and you had normal light bulbs, the old style incandescence, 20 of those is a normal like bedside heater. Technically, You're yeah. You're just removing it. just spreading out. Yeah. Like if more you had more. them all on, it's like having a bedside heater just running in your house 24-7. So just yeah. swapping the lights is like taking a heater out of your home. So it's an yeah. easy one to do. Change out your light bulbs. It, it look, it's like an extra $5 a light bulb. It, it's worth it. And it's like you can do some cool stuff with that, you know? Like now with LEDs, you can change like the color of lights and stuff. You can, if you into that DIY, you can... Oh, yeah. I mean, all the lights in this house, in this uh, room uh, do change color. I wonder if I can change them now on the stream. Now everyone watching the podcast okay, is like, oh, man, now I'm scared by this red. room. My heart rate's increasing. Yeah, this is kind this of... Is, this is uh, going Mr. Gray kind of color room. <laughs> I wonder how this is going to come up on the cameras. This is... <laughs> I can't believe that I'd argue probably like looks scarier right now. I probably absolutely. Okay. So okay. now that you are in the darkness of this podcast, let's mm. go into the next part of what you can do. <laughs> Engineering dads after dark. <laughs> Engineering dads after dark. Yeah. So like insulation, you can retrofit. So I think they use like foam and beads and whatnot. Like mm. it's probably expensive. So like you know, if you've got the money to spend, it's not just spending over this summer. This is long term. If you plan to live in your home for like you know. Till you're retired, for example, spend some money, get some insulation retrofit. If you're worried, it's I, I'd say it's worth it's it. It's worth it. Always worth it. Yeah, um, if you can do it. Some other little things I was thinking about is you know how like with like door seals and whatnot, they mm. tend to block hot air, like you know, coming outside to in. So if you got like little gaps under your door and your windows, I've found that that can like really exacerbate yeah. how bad the heat is inside like certain rooms. So they're like little snake like seals that you can put mm. under your door from Bunnings really cheap perfect like if you can get them yeah they they are good as well block out and also like um magnetic vent covers as well um you know can can block the air from unused rooms so those are some sort of cheap tech you can you can oh, put in oh absolutely there's like any area that you see heat coming through and so you literally like that metal discussion metal's great at conducting heat if you got a metal window frame it'll get hot and then that heat will bleed into the room if you yeah. can try and reduce that as much as you can. So, and then holes in the my white windows have little air vents on them. Stupid. I hate that. I hate how my windows have holes in them to let wind in. The whole point of windows is to stop the wind, but here's a little vent for you to get through. Yeah, and I mean, like that's the idea of having a fly screen, right? You just open up your window, and then you can have yeah. like the cool air coming in. If yeah, you, I you literally know. have a little like side door for mosquitoes that I had to like. Uh, I'm not sure if legally or illegally cover up some way, but now I've got them blocked because <laughs> Strata doesn't listen to the podcast, so, do they? Strata doesn't listen to this podcast, thank God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, but well, I mean, the other one so, is just to get fans in as well and try and circulate air well, around. Well, this is one of the things I was like talking about and you had a, a few points before. Mm. So like, I think using a fan, you know, is going to be much better on your electricity bill because it's just like a very light 
display. It doesn't need much torque to turn. You can put it just on you. Like Generally speaking, we've got a fan on us right now that's quite low vibration, so it's not coming through that much and it's keeping us cool. Not using much energy, but when I think of an aircon, it's like a refrigeration where you're using a pump to pump a refrigerant yeah. around and you're also using a compressor to get the right like um, supercritical, oh, sorry, supercritical saturated pressure that you need. Yeah. That in turn is going to use a lot of energy over the long run. So while some people say, yeah, let's let the aircon run all day, man, I'm thinking in this hot summer to do that a lot, to get to the temperatures you need is going to really increase. Yeah. Even if you have solar, like I don't think most commercial, oh, sorry, sure. most um, residential solar um, panels can keep up with that. Like you're going to no. be doing a little bit and that's probably it. Yeah, no, it's 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 spot on. One of the things actually you can easily do as a way is you can have the aircon aircon running all day if you really wanted to. You want to come back to a cool house? I totally get that. But you can just get a remote, like an IR remote. SwitchBot have one, and I'm, we're not sponsored by SwitchBot by any means, <laughs> but I use it where on my way home, I'm in the air-conditioned office most of the day. On my way home, on the 30-minute ride home, I'll turn on my aircon. I'll come back, my house is cool. I didn't need to run it the whole day. My energy bill doesn't show it. But yeah. My house is cold by the time I walk through that door. And so that's just cooling down. I, I come in, turn the aircon straight off immediately. My house is cool. But it means I don't need to run it for the full day. And it depends on the air conditioning unit. So this is something I'll, I'll challenge you on is air conditioning at peak can be really bad. Mm. But that's because a lot of air conditioning units weren't that great. If you get a reverse cycle air conditioning unit, those are actually really good. So they have a, effectively an efficiency above 100%. So usually you can't get an efficiency of 100%. But the way these conditioners work it's is... It's all been corrected now, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they effectively move that energy back and forward, but do it at a lower energy required. So whereas a kettle, if you, you put in all this energy into a kettle, you turn it on, it boils the water. That's 100% efficiency, effectively. Yeah. Imagine turning it on, but you boil three kettles worth of water. That's effectively what a reverse cycle air conditioner is doing. It can move heat away from different areas. So its efficiency looks above 100%. It's not, but it does actually work quite well. The ones that don't work well are swamp heaters or swamp coolers. Effectively, these are things that just pump uh, water into the air yep. and try and create a higher dew point. And so it's, it, it saturates the air and cools you down that way. It just right. makes, it makes the, swamp, the swamp coolers because it makes it feel like a swamp inside your house. Yeah. There's a reason it feels it's called swamp. And it's fine, I guess, for like a few degrees. But if you're in a place like Australia where it can be quite humid, like not so much in El Nino, but in generally speaking, quite humid, it will be sticky. Yeah. You'll be 40 degrees inside your home and sticky. So after a while, it's not the best option. And I've also seen air conditioning units where you wheel them around. And so effectively, it's just like a wheel, like a little like It'd trolley. It's a pretty big trolley, yeah. It's a big trolley. And the idea behind it is it's an air conditioning just between like a door. Yeah. Or you put it where it kind of plugs into a window and then it just sends out the heat that way. Those mm. things are horribly inefficient. Yeah, they would be. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, if we, if we try and simplify this, all an air, an air conditioning unit is you get like a liquid. It's taking the hot air out of mm. the room through the liquid. So that's why when you put your, your hand on like a fan where the aircon is, it's like, why is this warm? It's because that is the hot yeah. air it's emitting. So like, what is the difference between these energy efficient ones you're speaking about and that principle? Yeah, yeah. That? So the, the best way to explain it is a reverse cycle air conditioning unit is a stationary unit where there's one com component outside, like a big fan that yep. you're kind of talking about, and then there's, a f there's another fan inside. Effectively, these are just the cooling fins. Inside, both of them are just cooling fins oh, and the okay. liquid that pumps through with different pressures. Now, as you said, if you go outside and touch that or feel, no, don't actually touch the air conditioning unit, but <laughs> put your hand near it, you get hot air because it's, 
it's going hot liquid comes through it releases the energy yeah. it lowers the temperature that releases the pressure it comes back through the air conditioning inside the house then that air is a lot colder and then it gets blown yeah. through now the air conditioning that i was discussing where you kind of wheel it around is like a fridge the it's the same system but it's in one piece not two and so the heat is emitted inside the house already oh. so it cools the air and heats it as well and so the idea of like ejecting it out the window is one thing, but you still have a heater inside the house next to the cooler. Yeah, and that's in turn making the, so the system like work less to get to the different pressures and temperatures that it needs over like the long run. Yeah, it's it, the 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 energy required for it is kind of is kind of phenomenal compared to yeah. what the cooling you get. So I wouldn't recommend these kind of heaters. I was looking at them over last summer before it got extreme, and I was like, eh, not great. I've now settled on a really good fan that like blows the air conditioning in my house all around. So it's perfect for me, but that's that's the way I would do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think like one of the main questions that people are going to have is how do I keep cool? And I think we've answered that quite well. Mm. Like it's the main thing. So if you're still with us and you're happy with, you know, how to keep cool during the summer, let's go into a couple of other things that I think you're going to be impacted by. And the first one is, is your water, for example. Now, yep. Um, just a bit of background, like obviously with a drought, there's going to be a reduced water supply, but something I wanted to make <laughs> really fucking clear is that a La Nina event doesn't mean we have more water. Like I had a lot of people talking to me and it's like, oh man, like, you know, these floods are bad, but at least our dam levels are full, right? And we have no. more drinking water supply. And I'd sort of like, just be like, okay, I'm not getting mad because this is, it's a common sense thing, right? You think more water storage, more drinking water because all you get told, you know, from an average Joe Blow is that, yeah. You just need a, a dam that's full to drink, get drinking water. But there's a step that people don't talk about there. And that's that all the farm runoff you get from like floods that gets into the water system needs to be treated, right? Because you're getting all these chemicals and organic matter that's going in. It somehow needs to be removed. Now, like this is not just speaking in Australia, but all the world's water systems originally aren't designed to deal with that big load in their normal like mm. situations. You need like specialist treatment to be able to deal with that. So in these like La Nina events that are increasing that's going to make it worse in Australia if you're getting more flooding. So that's just like something I want to touch on is doesn't matter if you're in El Nino or La Nina, any extreme of weather conditions is going to make the water supply like a little bit harder. So um, and there's not much we can really do about that from like our level. Like, you know, it's, it's going to happen. So, you know, yeah, if you can reduce water use, that's a good thing. But some cool water conservation techniques I was like looking into is collecting rainwater. Now, some houses have like their stormwater tank and where they'll collect that runoff, use it for their pool, use it for their drinking water, shower, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, but you can, depending on your plumbing system. Yeah, if you've got a good filter in it. But I mean, we've got one, but we use it just for gardening. Just for gardening, yeah. yeah. Like I know people who have like, yeah, put their stormwater, maybe put like a, a micro filter on their fridge and used it. Well, I wouldn't recommend it, but whatever people do, you know. <laughs> no, not with the, the things in the air these days, no. Yeah. Um, but not, so I didn't really want to talk about the stormwater system, but more so recycling grey water for, for garden use. So we tend to do a lot of gardening in summer, right? People like to grow tomatoes, like to grow plants and whatnot. Not everyone's Italian, James, but yes, I, I, I also do grow you, tomatoes. You love so. a little bit of tomato. So you use a lot of, a lot of water. You technically, like you, know, you might be doing more four-wheel driving in the summer, so you're washing your car more often, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Now, this isn't something that you know people look into quite a lot, but recycling grey water, so water that comes from your sinks, your showers, washing machines, your dishes and all that sort of stuff. And everyone goes, well, how the hell can you do that? You can get a plumber or you can do a DIY. I mean, actually, I wouldn't recommend it if you don't have a plumbing license. I'm I think you legally... You you're need, not allowed to change a, like a water, a shower tap without a plumber. Without a plumber. So I don't think you can probably get away pe with People it. do it, but I'm, you know, for the purpose of this show, I'm not recommending no, it. Yep, yep, yep. So <laughs> you can divert that 
to a separate tank, right? So like you'd have a stormwater tank and your gray water tank there. You can install some basic mechanical filters and then install some low scale UV system mm. or I'd probably recommend like a pool chlorine system to disinfect the water. Yeah. That water can then be used the next day as like a, 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 a reservoir for washing yep. your car or watering your garden. Yeah, You're so effectively, you, can, yeah. you can absolutely circumvent all the restrictions on water use because this isn't standard water use. It's your own personal water that's already been used, treated, and you can do what you want with. Yeah, I mean, you do have to have it verified, I believe. Like if you install a grey water system, someone has to make sure the water you're producing is to a standard. So like you're not... Poisoning the landscape. Poisoning the landscaping, <laughs> even though it is it is yours, I guess. But unlike, yeah, making sure your chlorination system's up to scratch. Again, I'm talking about you're spending a bit of money up front, but it's worth like when water restrictions and stuff come in throughout the world because of this sort of stuff, it's best to be prepared because they will come in in droughts. It's, yeah. just a, it's just a given. Look, there is less water we need to be able to control I mean, there's control parts of somehow. France that have never burnt that on bushfire in Bordeaux in South France that or North France now. Shouldn't be happening. Never yeah. happened before. Now it's starting to burn down. Even the one that was um the, the forest that was known to, for the sword of uh, King Arthur, yep. that one burnt down. That's fucking wild, isn't it? Um, but you're right. The, I think after the war of energy, this is currently a war of energy about different like uses. It's a war of water because if we're all heating up, we're all hitting droughts, we're all suffering. Australia's already on the verge of being in constant drought. So the better we are conserving our water would be like critical. Yeah. yeah. And like at the end of the day, like, you know, engineers like yourself working on the energy side are doing the best in the world of energy. Engineers like me are working on the, like we're doing the long-term stuff, but we do also want to preach what you can do in the short term. And this is one of them. Another thing, and this is much cheaper because there's literally a video on the engineering dad's YouTube <laughs> of me doing it, is smart irrigation. Now we tend to overwater as well. Like when, yeah. when our plants, like, you know, you go out there and you got, old dad and his Bunnings hat just like blasting the hose just having a beer in one hand and he's just like yeah I'm just watering the garden Jill like, yeah just <laughs> saturating this thing yeah yeah because like, like three minutes right you just, just want to make sure there's enough water and that's fine like he's making sure yeah. his plants um, thrive but something we installed at our place I had dad install like no dad installed it when he first built it was like a smart irrigation system that like works on like just the, the, the plant will just be watered during the mm. day so like he doesn't even water like a lot of the garden there's like a pipe through the garden already water runs at a certain amount of um day like time of the day and then that's done what you can do to make it even better and i spent probably less than a hundred dollars on building my own was like a moisture sensor right mm. so you can buy some good moisture sensors from like you know electronic store or buy them online if you want to go a bit yeah. upscale plug it in and then have someone come and set it up or if you want to get into some like, I guess, Arduino or Pi coding, set it up yourself as like a smart irrigation yeah. system. So it will just detect when the water, the soil moisture is low, pump some water in using a simple dosing pump and then just turn off when the moisture is reached. You will save a f- load of water yeah. in like the long run. And I believe I wanted to do like a hydroponics thing that like even touched on that, but that's a yeah, 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 yeah. that's its own I think that the takeaway that you're saying is if you want to do your own smart watering system and you want to do it cheap, Watch the video. If you want to do expensive, there are some kits that you can buy, but you're going to pay for it. So yeah. it's the price of convenience, right? That's that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like the price of convenience, exactly. yeah. yeah. Um, making that stuff like much easier for you as well. Speaking of plants, one thing I did miss as well is something you can do in your home is just get a lot more plants. Like plants are great, right? They can mm. shade sun from coming in if you yeah. can't get those block out blinds and they're good at natural cooling as well. Yeah. So get some natural plants. They're fantastic. Native plants in Australia are designed for hot weather. And as long as you don't get eucalyptus. Do you know something that's interesting, right? A lot of the bushfires in California and Hawaii are eucalyptus plants. Yeah. They didn't naturally grow there. They went, wow, look at this plant. It grows really quickly in Australia. Let's pull them across to California, Hawaii, and create forests out of nothing. 
and then they realize that these things fucking love arson. They want to burn yeah, themselves. Because they've got natural yeah. oils they and excrete, right? So yeah. all these bushfires in California and Hawaii are out of control eucalyptus plants because they smell nice, they grow quickly. But they also like fucking fire. It's got a fuck ton of oil, yeah. <laughs> like, burn, baby, burn. <laughs> so it's just, it's incredible to watch this like, you should maybe you should have asked someone are these plants good for like long-term development because realistically no eucalyptus uh, are great except when they're not <laughs> i mean you could have them in your house right like you're not worried about i mean if you got a white gum outside your front house i'd be fucking scared <laughs> i'd uh, be scared I'm, I, I'm talking about like more plants on your window still oh, though sorry, right? yeah, like, yeah yeah just uh, look any australian plant just avoid the eucalyptus i, I just personally hate the smell of eucalyptus Do maybe like a eucalyptus lolly is nice like when i got a sore throat i love a eucalyptus lolly uh no i i love the smell of eucalyptus it smells really good like a good like that that gum um, um okay so that is on water let's go into like an even more subtopic and this is going to be like the one of the last things is yeah filtration and HEPA filters, right? So I don't know if you remembered, but in the last bushfire season, I was struggling to breathe and sleep because of all the particulate matter in the air. And I was Mm. working mostly outdoors at that point. So I'd be like walking around work and then I'd get like walking to the top of the stairs being short of breath. And I'm like, man, I run like twice a week. I should not be getting short of breath. And yeah, a lot of people in in the same boat as me is because of like when ash and stuff is burning and there's all this particular matter in the air it gets into your lungs and you tend to cough and sleep wear some hepa filter mask man like that is that shit is good yeah i think you said in in peak bushfire if the the uh, particulates are coming into like the city or wherever you're working it's like having like a handful of cigarettes i got told that as well yeah and <laughs> some people are, can be completely allergic or like have a really adverse reaction to this stuff so it's highly advised that during, if a bushfire is rolling through in particular in the air, wear a mask. Not yep. COVID, nothing, just wear a mask. Don't get, it's like asbestos. It's like, it's like tiny little bits of asbestos coming in. Avoid it. Yeah. Wear a mask. Luckily, it won't like lodge into your lungs over long term. But over time, you're going get, to keep getting, you can get like bronchitis, I believe, from, you mm. know, excess stuff getting into your lungs. Like we're only meant to breathe clean air. So like... Yeah, and on top of that as well, is in your home. Like I noticed it was getting into my house, like sneaking in through like, you know, the gaps in windows and doors yeah. again. Shit's annoying. We yeah, so we recently installed some like HEPA filters. They're pretty cheap to install, like between hundred yeah. and two hundred dollars for like something basic. Put it in your room. So like I noticed it's worse when you're sleeping because that's when like you're breathing in a you're lot. You're not really like, focusing as much. Yeah, you got your mouth open drooled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, you, you've yeah. seen you've seen me like oh, I think bad we, sleep pop up. Yeah. Here, like, things. yeah I, for some reason, whoever, whenever I stay at some place, I find out that that person also like sleeps with their mouth open. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a weird thing that I've and in my life. Yeah, it's been great. Like your room feels a lot lighter, feels a lot clearer, and it's good like for that sort of season. So yeah, during this whole hazard reduction burning we've done in the past know, yeah. week, it's been yeah, been a godsend. So invest in some of those. Some advice, advice yeah. from me. I think the the last thing I would just say is any takeaway from this is it's better to be prepared than then unprepared like uh luck is not a not a a thing it's something you prepare for yeah you can't um, rely on it for by like failing this. to prepare you're preparing to fail i mean that's the classic one so changing your blinds now before they go expensive getting air conditioning units repaired and maintenance before summer getting the filters now putting on um protection the more you prepare now the better it is and in as much as i hate to admit it prepare a bushfire escape plan but yes. people on the suburbs in the fringe, I forgot what they're called, where they're just on the border of forests, you should absolutely have a bushfire prepared plan. Yeah. Yeah. And so like... Well, I like, mean, I mean, a lot of workplaces now putting their toe bands in, like the total fire bands. So like, you know, mm. not, not being able to like, you know, use a lot of things that require heat and a lot of electricity and stuff. So like that, they're preparing, 
you know, in yeah. that side of it, you should have the same level of preparation residentially. Yeah. Because you hear a lot like about, oh, there's this many fatalities, like people dying in floods and bushfires. And you think, this is sad, but why? Like, yeah. you know, there are, you, there's so many apps you can download. I believe in New South Wales, we've got the fires near me in New South Wales to ensure you're best prepared in conjunction with like an emergency stash. So like water and stuff. Because if you've got to get up and go, you've got time to prepare, right? Like you, yeah. you know when a bushfire is Im- imminent. So have a backup up. plan. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, one thing that I feel was terrifying is in by 2030, 520,000 houses will be uninsurable. Not that you can get an expensive insurance. They'll just be like, you are at high risk of bushfire, of flooding, of cyclones. We will not insure your home. If something happens, you are gone. If an insurance policy is saying that you are not insured, it means their modeling suggests your house is absolutely going to be destroyed. Yeah, I mean, is that... 520,000. Is that is that for now until like we sort our, our shit out or is that just indefinitely? That's that's the current modeling projection. And we're already one degree above the industrial level. Yeah. Our target was 1.5. We're so close to it. Yeah. Like the, the chance of us hitting 1.5 is close to 99.9% at this point. Yeah. I think the current world projection is we if we do everything that we've promised, which some people will not do, we will hit 2.3. Yeah. And that is still talking like 80% wipeout of animals in flora and bushfires and most islands starting to get flooded. There are literally people in the United Nations today arguing because they had to move because their town is flooded. That's going to be a lot. And that's at one degree, not at 2.3. So it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Mm. But actually, without diving into that, did you see Mm. like the post now that I don't know if it's like a meme or not, but flowers growing in Antarctica. Have you seen that? Yeah, that's fucking wild. So, you know, people like, you know, that that hints that we're entering the next ice age, which I think is like scary because we are due for an ice age since like the woolly mammoth. But I would be interested to see what would actually happen if we went into an ice age considering like, how the climate, how... It'd probably just be like a normal normal day. Yeah, could you imagine <laughs> that? Just it's just out. like, oh, we're in an ice age. Guys, burn coal, burn more coal. Yeah, like, come, 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 quick, quick, quick. We have to like reverse our plans. Like, let's exacerbate climate change. I mean, that'd kind of take the relief off a lot of people's shoulders, but... I mean, that would be coming in clutch by Mother Nature, but I don't know. As we've been in the water, Mother Nature is not a cruel person, is not a nice person. Mother Nature is indifferent to humans. We are parasites. Yeah, she don't discriminate. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mother Nature's like, you're a pain. You're a pest. I will kill you. It's effectively what's going to happen. <sighs> if global warming is the um, uh, like the ibuprofen to kill us, all right, that's pretty sad, but that's what we've got to deal with. Yeah, stay safe. Stay cool. Yeah, stay cool. <laughs>